the devil inside me. Surprise! Why is she texting again? I need to take a paternity test. What the F is she talking about? Go F yourself. That's not my kid. My heart was beating damn near out of my chest. I never wanted kids. I had zero desire to be a father. I couldn't stand being around annoying little kids, and I sure as heck did not want to sacrifice any of my own time for a child. I wanted to travel the world and help people. This is all I've ever wanted to do with my life. After being molested, I got my first vision of a possible future, but I didn't understand what it was then. Seemingly every time something bad happened to me, I would see a movie in my mind about this fantasy life that I wanted to live and that looked and it felt incredible. I wanted the life I kept envisioning, but I doubted it would ever happen. Instead, I was working with complex disabilities and sold power wheelchairs and other medical devices. How would I get to travel the world doing that? Whenever people asked me what I really wanted to do with my life, I would always say, I'd have a talk show, travel the world and help people. It was the only thing that brought me joy to think about, other than when we would do ecstasy and go to after-hours parties after leaving South Beach or Club Space. Don't get me wrong, going to college in Hawaii was amazing, but nothing beat South Florida to me. I loved Boca Raton. I loved my group of friends there. To say they were characters is an understatement. Just their nicknames alone was something straight out of a movie, but they were actually real. Those friends were the first people to ever make me feel like I was normal, like I belonged. I guess I was popular in high school, whatever that means, yet I was not really a part of any groups. Although I could hang out with almost anyone, I usually isolated my connections down to one person and I would just hang out with them. Even back then, I never felt normal, unless if I was drunk. My first year in college cheerleading was the first time I did a substantial amount of mind-altering drugs. It was at a collegiate cheerleading competition in Daytona Beach, Florida. Some of the members of the squad had gone to college in Boca Raton to cheer for Florida Atlantic University. When they joined our team in Oklahoma City, they told tells of this legendary place in South Florida. Before I even wound up there, I had heard so many stories about those people and with their crazy nicknames, about the fun in the sun, and about this amazing little drug called ecstasy. By the time I got to the competition, I'd already prepaid for my drugs, and I could not wait to try this mysterious feel-good pill. Because of the Florida-Oklahoma connection, us Okies immediately had a network of friends with the Boca crew. Meeting them was like meeting a family you never knew you had. Fast forward to the end of the cheerleading competition, Senior Frog sugary death in a bottle, and my very first hit of ecstasy. It took about 30 minutes for my entire world to change. I felt joy for the first time that I could remember in my life. I felt like I really knew who I was for the first time. I felt alive, I felt love, and I was comfortable. Maybe for the first time ever, allowing myself to actually feel anything, feel everything. This also meant facing the part of me that could never fully come out. For years, I'd suffered from night terrors, those images of the times men had forcefully penetrated me, anally or orally. In the past, when I'd gotten really drunk or if I had a little bit of cocaine, I tried my best to test myself with men, but I always freaked out. I was too scared of someone finding out. The sexual energy at a college cheerleading camp was insane, and now with ecstasy, whew, I was feeling the exchange of that energy with both men and women. I loved it, and I wasn't scared. 
The come down from ecstasy was awful because I never wanted it to end. After the first time, whenever I heard, try this, it'll bring your roll back, I was more than willing to experiment and try new things. The first night I did several more tabs of ecstasy, ketamine, cocaine, and GHB, and of course weed. I found my stride. On my recruiting trip to Florida Atlantic University, I even earned the nickname Chug. I love Boca Raton. However, when the coach told me I should make a videotape to send to Hawaii Pacific because he had accepted a coaching job there, I did. They gave me the news over the phone that I had received a full scholarship as I watched a tornado hit my house. It was May 3rd, 1999. I stayed in Hawaii for only a year before moving to Florida after landing a great job working for a pharmacy and surgical supply company. I worked under the most ferociously amazing woman from New York. Jet black hair and bright blue eyes and she might as well have been 10 feet tall because she was just on another level. She scared me because she was not scared of me. She had the ability to see right through my BS. And while she gave me a lot of rope, she rode my ass and I loved her for it. Other than my mother, I had never met another woman I respected more. Although I was on scholarship at FAU, I preferred to work and party, so I rarely ever went to class. I loved my job and I loved that I made good enough money to afford drugs. I went out almost every night and on weekends it was cocaine or ecstasy. When high, I was getting more daring exploring my sexuality, cruising online chat rooms, sex classifieds, and swingers websites. The year I lived in Hawaii, I discovered a different sort of porn theater with booths while I explored the streets of Waikiki high on ecstasy. A habit that picked up steam after that famous weekend in Daytona. Those booths had holes in them, holes that penises or another body part could be put in front of. There were people at those theaters who would freely whip out a part of their body that they wanted pleasured. Walking the streets of Waikiki is also where I ended up discovering a strange interest in transsexuals, or mahus as they are called in Hawaii. Before I knew I was into them, I was dancing with what I thought was two hot Asian girls with nice breasts. I did not know I was actually dancing with men. My friends were laughing at me and I, they tried to warn me. I didn't believe them until I reached between one of their legs and felt a huge bulge. What I didn't expect was the arousal I got between my own legs from that experience. I became obsessed with people who looked like beautiful models with nice boobs and just so happened to have a penis. My growing desires manifested an occurrence in Honolulu while walking home from a sex store at 4 a.m. A woman pulled up besides me and asked me to get in. So I got into her car and we parked outside of my apartment off the Alawai Canal. She was insistent on pleasuring me. Initially she resisted me trying to finger her for a while but she finally gave in only to reveal a penis. She was embarrassed but I immediately went down on her right there in the parking lot. When she had finished, I was lost to my new obsession. I had always been a boob guy, but as I got more comfortable with exploring my sexuality, I became obsessed with penis too. I was not attracted to men, but there was something about a penis that ignited something within me, the same way boobs did. And now to find women with both, it became something I hunted for often. I discovered as I explored with more transsexuals in Florida that not all of them were hot. My poor luck in finding ones that look like beautiful women, with the exception of having a penis, may have slightly loosened the grip of my obsession, 
but it also caused my insatiable lust to be stored away as I imagine the Loch Ness monster chasers must feel when it comes to finding their own rare treasure. One day I stopped by a random sex store I found on the side of the road. Sex was always on my mind. Finding different, easy ways to get off now became my obsession. I walked in the theater to see multiple couples, male on male, male on female, circle jerks, and more. All this at this little theater in Lake Worth, Florida. I was sober at the time, and it was a bit overwhelming to see all of that was so up close to me. So I went to a booth to watch porn and masturbate. Within two minutes, some guy was on his knees with his best effort giving me oral sex. I came within five minutes, and he acted like he had not eaten in months. After he picked himself off the floor, he put $100 in my shirt and said, meet me outside. So I met him outside, and he had invited me to his home after he got back from the Summer Olympics in Sydney, Australia. I began seeing him the day he got back. Every time I saw him, he paid me $200 for him to give me oral sex. I started seeing him multiple times a week. I loved the extra cash that allowed me to spoil my girlfriend, but it also helped me buy more drugs. Little by little, this man would expand and advance what he did to me sexually. While I was uncomfortable, I loved the money. At my request, he'd always had buy porn on so I could see boobs and feel less gay. Each time after he made me come, he would want pillow talk. I hated it first. Eventually, I got more comfortable with it and he began to feel safe. So even further we went. He became the first man I allowed to anally penetrate me. On purpose, anyway. As time went on, he started having other men come by when I was there, too. Now, on a regular basis, I was reenacting the very way I'd been molested, and I started to love it. As I got more comfortable having sex with men, I then became obsessed with doing porn. Being in Florida made it easy to do. I was picked up by a filmmaker one day in Hawaii, and he asked me to audition for one of his movies. The audition consisted of me blowing him, but I didn't get the part in any of his films. Back in Florida, I booked three different porn shoots within a month. I would have kept going too, except one day I got an anonymous email with a still photo from my porn shoot. In my paranoia, I immediately quit trying to do porn. When the guy I was seeing found out that I no longer wanted those images of me out there, he paid the owner of the websites and they took everything down. I felt so guilty over doing porn, I finally told my girlfriend I was bisexual. Her response was awful. I tried to lie and said I only did it for the money. While I think she eventually believed me, our relationship was ruined. I spent a lot of energy trying to convince her that I was not bisexual, but then my disappearing acts became more difficult when I was trying to see my John. I needed to keep up with this lifestyle. I loved the money and gifts I was getting, and quite frankly, I started to enjoy myself, so I was not going to quit seeing him, even if I got caught. With each passing week, my hunger for drugs grew, and my habit of sneaking off for sex with others consumed most of my time. Work mattered less and less, and party, partying mattered so much more. You need to take a paternity test. <laughs> yeah, I'll take it just to shut you up. That kid is not mine. My mind raced back and forth to my going away party for Hawaii. A drunken night with my closest friends and the woman I was about to have the best sex of my life with. She was a backup singer in my dad's reunion tour band, and I just banged her. The memories of her trying to get me to stay home instead of moving to Hawaii circulated through my brain as I was trying to remember if I used a condom or not. <laughs> Who was I kidding? 
Of course I didn't use a condom. Now I have this woman telling me I have a three-year-old. <laughs> right. She can go F herself. <laughs>